ingredients of the world's most innovative companies. We're going to do a deep dive this month on this topic. Join us for the CG Hour. Welcome everyone to the CG Hour, where every month we come to you with business experts, industry leaders to talk about the hottest trends and topics around business and technology. My name is Fanny Dunnigan and I'm the host of the CG Hour. Welcome everybody. You can tune into this live show from YouTube as well as on LinkedIn, both on my personal feed as well as on CG Infinity. And I want to thank CG Infinity for sponsoring this show. So let's see who's in the audience right now. I uh, want to welcome Greg Maslek, Sarah Waskow to the feed. Thank you for joining us. And as well on YouTube, you can find us. And as well on CG Infinity LinkedIn company page, you can find us. Thank you for joining us. I encourage all of you to introduce yourselves to each other in the comments. They're a great place to connect with other people that are business and technology professionals, and it's a great way to network. I challenge you to connect with at least three new people and connections in the comments. So introduce yourself in the comments and let people know where you're tuning in from. So let's dive into the topic. This month, we're going to talk all around the three ingredients of the most innovative companies. And we're going to kick it off with a video to share with you some of the research of the world's most innovative companies.
so much to learn on this episode around innovation and technology. Just a quick shout out to some of those that have joined us. Yolanda from Dallas, Dawn Marie from Arkansas, welcome. We have David Block from California. Thank you for joining us from the audience. So I wanna to introduce to you the first person on our panelists, Rob Palacios. Welcome, Rob. Thank Rob you. is the, uh, he leads the CG Infinity Financial Services team and has 30 plus years history of helping businesses leverage technology to gain rapid market share and build sustainable competitive advantage. He has done this both as an executive as well as a consultant with several reputable organizations such as National Security Agency, Arthur Anderson, Hitachi, and Texas Capital Bank. He is the VP and Chief Innovation Officer at CG Infinity. Welcome, Rob. Thank, Thank you. For Thanks for having us. us. Absolutely. Chief Innovation Officer. That's quite a title. We we didn't used to have that kind of titles a decade ago. What does what is the responsibility of a chief innovation officer? Do? Yeah, so so things have evolved, and I think you know within a consultant organization like ours, the chief innovation officer role has a couple different functions. Mm -hmm. One really is how do you look for innovative things to do inside the organization and provide different services that our customers, things that they may want to, to need, or as their markets shift, how do we adjust to that? The other is providing that same kind of expertise into our customers. So they look inside their companies and say, what's the industry doing? What's, what, what's, what's the roadmap look like five years from now? And what do we need to start doing today that allows us to be competitive in that environment? So uh, it's a lot of you know, thinking through what ifs. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of interacting with folks at different levels and just bringing all that knowledge together to say, what should we take on next and how we build that roadmap? It's a lot of fun. Awesome, exciting times. Yeah. <laughs> I also want to welcome Dalton Diva Karen. Welcome to the show, Dalton. Thanks for having me. Fanny. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Um, shout out to Mike Rochelle, who's also in the audience, for introducing <laughs> us. Um, Dalton is the director and industry advisor, as well as for innovation and strategy of global healthcare at Salesforce. And he is a clinician turned tech evangelist who has been a clinical advisor for population health management firms. He has successfully led large enterprise implementations and is the former clinical product officer and chief quality officer with a master's degree in healthcare management from UTD. Dalton is also an active philanthropist who runs a nonprofit organization that empowers vulnerable women and children. And I've heard a lot about that. Please tell the audience about that nonprofit and that name, please. Well, thanks again. It's an honor to represent one of the most innovative companies, Salesforce, on the planet. Um, and yeah, it's an honor. But talking about the nonprofit, my nonprofit is called Ethne, which means in Greek, nations or people groups. I've always enjoyed meeting different people from all over the world. And we cater to vulnerable women and children and primarily focus on education and believe that education is the way to change the world. And last but not least, I want to welcome Veronica Moturi. Welcome to the show, Veronica. Thank you. She is the head of customer retention at Brinks Home. She is an experienced executive in customer retention strategy and execution of retention initiatives to increase customer lifetime value while improving customer experience. She's a leader in retention teams, defining roadmaps, initiatives, and priorities 
and highly motivated and driven to improve companies' attrition and lead a highly effective team. Thank you for joining us, yeah, Veronica. Thank you. Thank you very much. Customer retention. What does that mean? Tell you know, the audience. Yeah, customer retention, it, you know, the word retention can be looked at as um, angry, right, to retain, to have <laughs> to deal with people that are wanting to leave, but it's really about hearing the voice of your customer and taking that throughout the life cycle. So to me, customer retention is really about customer life cycle management. Mm -hmm. You're getting the ugly, the good, the bad as well that are coming into these groups. Now you're really leveraging that information and trying to feed it back upstream so you can really have a holistic customer experience across the board. So it's, I mean, ultimately to me, it's customer life cycle management. Yeah. And you said the key word right there. That is the topic for the next you know, section of the show, customer experience, yep. right? This relentless focus on customer. You saw in that video, it's one of the top um, ingredients mm -hmm. of the world's most innovative companies. And uh, I wanted to just kind of go around and ask you for your opinions on why you think this focus on customer and customer experience is so important to innovation. Dalton, you want to kick us off? When I think about customer success and innovation, the key to it is trust. So at Salesforce, trust is our number one core value. Mm -hmm. Just sharing, sharing a recent story that happened in our lives. My wife needed to get a surgical procedure, so we go to this hospital, and it's like 5.30 in the morning, and the doctor comes and marks the wrong side of the surgery, right? And it's 5.30 in the morning, and I'm sitting right there. I've been a clinician for some years. So I, I challenged him and the nurse comes and obviously they get it right, but there goes the trust, yeah. right? That experience uh, really matters. And especially if it's you're dealing with your life, uh, that's very important. So it applies to all industries as well. Trust is core to everything. And when I talk about trust, there are four key elements to the, the, tr the, the core value of trust. Mm -hmm. The first one is humanity. You can't take the human element away from building trust because trust is built people to people and you, it's not built from people to technology right it's just that that, that value is from people to people and the number two part is the transparency how do you build it what's the transaction look like right and the third element to it's what what's the offering is it a product or a service and the final one is the reliability of that product or the service that you offer that's how you build trust and at salesforce that's our number one core value and that drives everything for us yeah. At CG Infinity, you also focus a lot on customer experience. Why is that such a critical factor towards innovation? Sure, and in, in addition to what Dalton was saying, trust is the foundation for it, but really the idea is how do you lessen the friction to do business with someone? How do you make that customer's experience with you one that they enjoy? And even if it's something they don't necessarily want to do every day, how do you make it so that it lessens friction? And that customer experience and you know, there's tons of stories about how, how Amazon does it, how others do it as well. To make it easy to do business with you, I think is a, is a core component. And a lot of times that comes back to transparency and honesty. Being able to say, you know, what you're asking for, that's not the service we provide, so we're not gonna be able to provide it. Let me find you someone who can. But in those cases where we're, we have alignment, say, yeah, we can do that for you. And here's different ways we're, we're gonna do that. And here's the process we're gonna use to just have that customer feel like, they're being guided through the process, not just kind of feed force fed. Here's our, our, our approach and you know, take it or leave it right there. Like a partnership. That's right, a partnership. Mm -hmm. 
And Veronica, obviously, customers right in your title, right? Yeah. Why is it such a key ingredient for innovation? Well, I, I mean, I work for a security company, right? So, I mean, y'all hit a lot of good points about transparency and trust, but, you know, Brink Security is really about securing people's home and their families. So, response time and getting things right the first time are, are really big on kind of building that trust and value that you have with your customers and continuing that longevity of that experience. So when it comes to Brinks, it's really about, you know, how do you do it right the first time? How are you quick to respond in a timely fashion, right? Not only product, but the people. And then how do you continue to do that time and time again? There's so many competitors that are out that they could jump to. So it's really, I mean, today that the core of companies are about the customers. It's not really about sales. It's, it's about keeping your customer for life. And that's really what we stand on at Brinks. Absolutely. Now, in order to innovate for customers, we need to listen to them mm -hmm. and gather feedback. Can you share maybe some points or an example of how that's done at your organization? How do you gather that customer feedback and to innovate? Dalton? Sure. That brings me to our other core value of Salesforce. Mark Benioff, when he founded, he incorporated all these core values to it. It was customer success, right? So how we do that at Salesforce is by deeply listening to our customers. Mm -hmm. We even have a customer-centric discovery process that the entire organization is trained um, with our trailhead modules and even other sessions. Like uh, you, you can go and get trained on how to do this. And it's, it's all about deep listening and it's all about hearing what they need. And even in my job as an industry advisor, right, I'm working now for a tech company when I go to our customers, I don't really have to go and tell them about the industry. They know much, much, much better about the industry, what's going on. So I need to listen more. And I need to help them connect the dots with, okay, how can now technology come and help you with these different things? Uh, always the answer is not technology to all the questions out there, right? And we kind of sometimes as a tech company come in uh, with an approach that way, but we're tired Salesforce to deeply, deeply listen to our customers and really solve the problems they're facing today, but on their journey, walk them through what's the art of the possible with technology and how, how, how can we really transform? And we also have a culture of trailblazers, so we call our customers trailblazers. How can we really partner together by listening deeply with you and solving the challenges that you face? And really elevating the customer. Absolutely, yeah. What about you, Veronica? How do you gather this feedback in order to innovate from customers? You know, um, I think it's twofold. We have we have a voice of the customer program, right? So through surveying, post interactions, whether it's you know on our website, um, through channels, a phone, and chat, um, but also when we send a technician out to visit to to you know work on their product, um, their security system, we gather a lot of just what went well, what didn't. Um, but you know, you only get so many customers that really respond to the survey, so it's always a very sample size. So to get more broad, we use text analytics. So we take hundreds of thousands of phone calls per month. And so leveraging what the agents, our employees are putting into the customer's um, unique account, and then really trying to cloud and, and gather that information, we're able to really use data on a larger scale to drive decisions that we make. Um, one of the things that we're doing right now is just trying to expand through multi-channel. And so what you have to balance is that experience through phone calls, through you know, SMS type of chat, through self-help, um, and ensuring that you keep that foundational element with you as you grow in other, in other areas. Awesome. 
I think one of your former colleagues, Mike Parrish, is in the audience. He <laughs> says, looking forward to hearing from Veronica. Her ability to shape intelligent retention structure is unparalleled. <laughs> well, so Thanks, shout Mike. out to Mike <laughs> out there. Um, Rob, for you as you know, Chief Innovation Officer and working towards you know, innovation with your customers, how are you gathering their feedback? Sure. We have the luxury to be dealing with business customers, right? So we're not dealing with hundreds of thousands of consumer customers that allows us to get much more intimate with our customers and get embedded. So as long as we start with trust and transparency, which is, which is necessary, then we kind of become part of the team. So it gives us a lot more latitude to ask those deeper questions, say, what are you trying to accomplish? And what are the things that are your pain points now? And then putting ourselves in a position where we are almost part of the company and looking at the company's customers as our customers and doing things like that. I mean, Veronica mentioned a lot of the great strategies to bring that input in. But what we find is sometimes our customers are so busy doing the day-to-day -day work that parts of an innovation, innovative solution are spread across different departments, different people. So we have what we call an innovation lab. We bring people together and allow them kind of focus on bringing the pieces of the puzzle to say, wow, this is how something we could do in the industry that would make us innovative that someone's not doing. You know, there's innovation where it's one guy has an idea, you know, Eureka, those happen and great, but what we find more so is when you have kind of this group process and design thinking where everyone brings a perspective and then from that we distill it into, well, here's what we can do in the enterprise. Collaboration. Collaboration. Yeah. I'd love to hear from the audience. Share with us your best customer experience and uh, let us know how you view that and the importance of it. So I'd like to kind of dive even deeper into maybe like a specific example, right? A lot of times innovation comes from a certain pain point that you've heard from your customer. Uh, Veronica, maybe you can kick it off. Can you share with us something that was a pain point with one of your customers and how that led to an innovation that you guys put forward? Yeah, um, probably the biggest one that we've dealt with over the years is uh, you know, treating new customers different than your existing customers and um, how, you know, new products, new offers would always be out there in the front uh, for a new customer to come and be a part of Brink's home. But your existing base, you kind of left high and dry unless they wanted to call you to ask for something. So we took the opportunity to really leverage um, ramping our marketing channel through automated paths. So when you go to scale things, if you have to bring that back to a person, it's always difficult to do so because of just the overhead and cost to, to scale upon an idea. And so we were able to leverage um, more of the three-click, you know, kind of e-com type of, of delivery to the customer base to proactively offer things as an existing customer as we would a new prospect and really put them into an easy um, low effort path. And so by doing so, not only can you continue to keep that operation running, but you are, you're, you're having a, a innovation kind of work overnight when your humans are sleeping. And that's really what's been able to scale some of our proactive efforts that we've had with our base and see huge returns when it comes to not only reducing churn, um, but just the value of, of the customer experience. Absolutely. What about you, Rob? Um, as far as a pain point that led to an innovation? Yeah, so I'll go wait kind of a little further back in my career. Just Please. something that really uh, stuck with me is when I was with the National Security Agency, one of my charges was 
to help take all the data that the government was collecting with new satellite technology, new components in the 80s, but hadn't made the same investments in analytics. So it was one of the areas where I would focus in. So I remember talking to one of my customers who was an analyst working up to your theater for 25 years. And here's this young kid out of college comes in and says, I'm gonna build an AI system that's gonna do all your work for you. And that the look on that person's face, like first anger, like who are you? And then fear, frustration, like well, wait a minute, if you can, then all this time I spent building value, your innovation is going to you know dilute my value. Mm -hmm. So after stumbling through that and realizing you know the hard way that the humanistic perspective of it is key and the change management aspect is key, mm -hmm. we were able to collaborate and build a solution that addressed 80% of his problems and he could focus on the hard puzzles that the machine couldn't do. So that level of collaboration to innovate, but I think sometimes what we, we lose sight of is these innovations have impacts to real people and how, how you position that and how you allow for people to express their their discomfort and their, their really sometimes just they don't believe that the innovation is going to work and it's wasted effort. So that level of collaboration I think is necessary and again begins with a foundation of trust and transparency with that. Yeah, yeah, and then it's never just about the technology or the <laughs> tool, never. right? Yeah, I learned User that lesson. adoption, That's right. people, change management, absolutely, most important. And for you, Dalton, something that was started off as a pain point from a customer that grew to an innovative product or service? Yeah, often innovation starts with this sentence of, I hate this, I hate that, <laughs> I, I hate doing it this way, yeah. right? Uh, one example I can cite from Salesforce is uh, as the company is growing and our technology is evolving, it's a lot to learn, right? Even when I joined sales, we drink from fire hose. There's so many things you gotta learn. But how do you scale that to now to 80,000 of your employees, 80,000 plus employees? And as I think that's where Trailhead evolved. Trailhead is a gamified platform, so you could go and learn about Salesforce. Not just about Salesforce, generally about business, different industries. Uh, about change management, mm -hmm. about being one in innovation and things like that, right? And it was a gamified approach and it, it was like a status symbol. Now you, you are a ranger. Now, uh, now you are a mountaineer. Or you get different levels of a gamified experience and that kind of motivates people to go and learn about the technology, right? So it was a pain point about, okay, now there's so much of information. I hate going to different websites and clicking multiple you know, channels to learn about it, but now it's a unified approach to learn it, learn the platform and about the business. But eventually we started offering that to our customers. Mm -hmm. And that's where true innovation comes from. Now we are solving a problem internally and now we get to offer it to our customers so they can leverage within their industries as well. And now people all over the globe leverage Trailhead to learn about Salesforce and about other businesses and things general. Uh, happening in the industry. And one cool thing I love about Salesforce is we drink from our own well. Yeah. We use Salesforce to run Salesforce. <laughs> <laughs> Preach, absolutely. Yeah. And it ties back to, Veronica, your point about just ease of use, right? Like that simple thing of ease of use for a customer can lead to so many innovations. Yeah. And that experience, right? It's, now it's gamified and, you, and it's a status that you associate with. Um, and that's very important, customers being loyal to that as well. Shout out to Raj Asava, who was one of our guests on last month's show. He's in the audience. He reinforces the point that trust is often confused with doing things right, while it actually is doing the right things. And trust is transparency, honesty, so even bad news is shared in a timely manner with the customer. Yeah, trust is such a pivotal. All of you have mentioned that. Um, Veronica, I do want to dive a bit 
deeper even with you. You look after you know things like building a customer-centric company, right? And uh, what does that mean? And what kind of like ROI have you seen from your innovations around that customer-centric company? Yeah, I think you know it's easy for businesses as they're trying to evolve and be a customer-centric uh, focus to allow a, a spreadsheet to overtake your decisions that you make, right? And, and the financial side can always really drive to do A without really thinking about how it could be perceived or consumed by your customer. And so what we've done is, it's almost like having a, a seat at the table is, is your customer, right? It, it's this little doll that you could leverage to say, what would our customer think about this? So it's, it's always putting, it, and it sounds cliche, but it's always putting your customer first through every decision that you make. It's continuing to think like, what is the downstream effect of this if I roll it out? Or if, if we do something new, what am I really trying to get from this? Mm -hmm. And if it's tied back to just the monetary part of it and not the experience, then you really shouldn't do it. And you should challenge yourself to continue to, to drive the experience that you wanna see with your customer. The adoption of your customer is really what's going to provide the ROI that you're looking for. And so that's what we've done as far as creating new, right? Is always having that kind of focus of that customer at the table. Um, I mean, high customer experience is a direct correlation to, to lower churn. I mean, it's they stay, they're happy, there's no need to shop around. So it's the basic kind of foundation of what we do today at Brinks is you have it both from a customer side and your employee side. If those two experiences are top notch, then everything else falls into play. Um, you see the results, the, the direction that you want them to go. So if you keep the core of the who you're servicing and who is servicing them at the f at the base of everything that you do, then the return is just is right thereafter. Any advice on how that experience is measured? Yeah, I mean from. It's two parts, right? You you always want to have some sort of voice of the customer, right? Very raw, very direct, you know, no filter type of, of um, feedback from your customers. And then you want the results to show that the adoption of things, whether it's innovating into a new channel, innovating into a new path of offering, um, innovating into um, just simplicity of, of processes and standards and things that you do in your in your company, I think the take rate of things will give you that that type of measurement of success in conjunction with just that raw voice of the customer. I think if you put those two together, then you're always kind of iterating and continuing to progress to drive that, that epic kind of customer experience. Awesome. And I wanna thank uh, Matthew Ber Ber Berkman in the audience. He gave a wonderful example of customer experience he says, it's small, but a laptop repairman for my personal laptop gave me a ton of useful, actionable advice after he fixed the issue. I recommend him to friends all the time now. Now that's a good customer experience. Mm -hmm. So not only just fixing it, but gave additional advice. And then from there, in a way, I guess, once someone has a positive customer experience, they're telling their friends, mm -hmm. their peers, their industries, and, and it just grows from there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I just want to take a quick break now to share with you an event that's coming up for CG Infinity, the Charge Energy Conference. Let's roll that. And I'll see you next week on It's Monday with Jonathan Baker. Cut.
Did that come okay? All right, awesome. Hey everyone, taking a quick break here from my show, It's Monday with Jonathan Thinking, to bring you a message about a really exciting conference that the energy and utility practice of CG Infinity uh, will be hosting as gold sponsor. It's called the Charge Energy Branding Conference. It's June 1st through the 2nd at the Royal Sinesta Hotel down in Houston, Texas. We are so excited to be a part of this conference. It's really our first time. It's an amazing opportunity to bring over 300 C plus level colleagues across the industry uh, to innovate, learn, collaborate, network. You really don't want to miss this event. We will be hosting a CEO panel uh, with our esteemed colleagues, Daryl Brown and Jim Smelly from our board of directors at the helm. And we will of course be in the exhibitor hall showing off our brand new CG Infinity branded booth. So please come see us at the exhibitor hall, come see our panel and come to this conference. It's gonna be a really great time. We look forward to seeing you there and I'll see you next week on It's Monday. What's Jonathan thinking? Welcome back everyone. If you're just tuning in now live, you are watching the CG Hour, where this month we are talking all about innovation. And we just wrapped up a segment around customer experience. Now I wanna hone in on the second ingredient of the world's most innovative companies, and that is continuous improvement, right? Um, now we gathered the feedback, we've kind of talked to our customers, Rob, now it's time to continuously improve, right? And research has indicated that collecting and analyzing data is critical to continuous improvement. We saw in that video that Amazon collects tons and tons of data on their customers to innovate. Um, how has data helped you drive some of the innovation and continuous improvement? Sure, so you know, because we're dealing with some very unique situations with our clients, you know, we want to embed the results into our, into our culture. So part of that continuous improvement is every Monday afternoon, we hold a management team meeting and we talk about successes and some, some potential failures in some of our engagements and learn from those and say, what are the things that went really well and we innovated on and how do we help our client, you know, be better and improve their processes and drive additional revenues, you know, those kind of things. What are the areas that we would have done differently? So that the idea is when another team goes out to a similar situation, they've now taken that data from that engagement and hopefully will be better and to be improve the process and modifying the way we go to market and deal with our clients. So that's just one area where we really pride ourselves on celebrating our successes with our clients and saying, wow, this is a great, and, and it, what it does is it builds this culture of everyone wants to be the one who's talking about our clients and you know has some time in our management team meeting. Yeah, so. and sometimes it's the failures that lead us to that yeah, innovation. Especially the it? hard projects. The, the, mm. those, and those projects where you know, it may take longer to build that relationship with the client and it becomes one of those, well, it's contentious up front until we really start you know, building that and how do you deal with it and how do you not give up? And yeah. especially for our, some of our younger uh, team members that haven't experienced that as much as teaching them how to improve those processes and how when, it's, when they're dealing with our clients, how they can leverage those techniques as well, so. Absolutely. And for those of you in the audience, we're talking all about innovation. Let us know what company you think is the most innovative in your experience and share that in the comments below. 
Uh, now Dalton, obviously <laughs> Salesforce has ranked number one as the world's most innovative company. How do you guys use data in order to drive innovation? We believe that what can be measured cannot be improved, mm -hmm. right? And that's, we do that at the very best if our abilities there. Because even if it's a customer journey and even if you know what are the different points of those interactions or point of contact with the customer in that journey and how do you map even those out and how do you scale some of these actions, automate or you know have data to improve upon those journey points? That's that's the beauty of that relationship building with the customer. And at Salesforce, we're all about knowing our customers to the core of who they are. If it's a direct customer of Salesforce or our customers of our customers, um, and that's what we help them with the very best technology to know their customer the very best and to measure those interactions and. How can we improve upon some of those? And what works for a certain cohort of customers is what did not work, right? So data is key in those. And also defining how the data is being used at different stages of the customer journey is critical to success and uh, besides listening uh, keenly to your customers. Mm -hmm. And one thing I would add is, you know, you talk about constant innovation or continuous improvement. It also ties back to how your employees are connected with each other. And you, Rob, you mentioned a great point. Often customers work in silos and when technology comes in, they don't know, they implement it in different ways and they don't talk to each other now that you have those kind of challenges. I think the same applies with your employees as well. How, how well you present to your customers as a team, right? How are you connected and how well you uh, know, know your product and how you only know your customers in the industry and how, how can we talk the customer language so that you gain more from them uh, to continually bring that back to your product or serve them to, to the best of our capabilities as well. Absolutely. And Veronica, you touched on it a bit earlier, but like, let's dive even deeper. Like, how do you collect that data and use that data around customers? Yeah, I think, I mean, just over the past year, four to five years, I mean, data has been the true backbone of, of the decisions that we make, and it, it kind of limits the subjectivity that could come out of discussions that you have internally of what to do. Um, we have, I mean, over 200 attributes today that we capture from our customers, and it's a lot to digest. So what we've done is, is really put those into segments that are actionable. Like what data can we actually leverage to do something with versus just knowing who they are? Um, and you know, putting that into big buckets that you're able to drive certain decisions off of have, have really allowed us to kind of develop and evolve over the years of leveraging data and seeing the results that you're really trying to drive. Um, but it's about leveraging data that's actionable right, to really innovate and, and continue to iterate from. I love that. You know, data just sitting in a yeah. good format or in a great visualization doesn't mean anything. No. Yeah. Unless it's actionable. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. could agree more. Yeah. It's great. The actionable part of that, so many people miss. Like, let's just accumulate so much data and, and we're succeeding. Well, unless it's actionable, like you said, yeah, it's just sitting there. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. We're seeing 
coming in from the audience. Some of the innovative companies is Apple, uh, definitely. I'm a Mac girl. <laughs> Everything <laughs> I use is Mac and Apple. Uh, definitely innovative from there. Uh, I want to point out, Mike Parrish mentioned the data-driven iteration is key. It allows for rapid shaping of the program with consistently more successful results while weeding out the less beneficial strategies and approaches. That's true, iterations as well. Well, right? well said, and uh, in fact, you know, that's how you scale to an enterprise level, right? Mm -hmm. You need that data, because you can go one-on-one -on -one customer and you keep doing that, but it's just the data and the actionable part at different stages of how you use it, which is key to scale up your operations. Yep. So let's look to the future. Five years down the road, what are some of the innovations that you predict in technology? Yeah, so I, I think you're going to see some trends continue. Data is going to continue to be a very valuable resource, and there'll be more and more data available. Mm -hmm. So just like the, the analogy I was talking about with NSA, we're at, a, we're at a point where it's not access to data, it's mm -hmm. the analytics behind it and making mm -hmm. sense of the data where the real innovation is going to happen and continue to happen. So things like machine learning AI, which we do a lot of and kind of, kind of near and dear to my heart, mm -hmm. you'll see that become, it's already becoming more mainstream, right? It's yeah it's moved to a point where it's not just a singular standalone AI machine learning product, it's being embedded in all the products we're, we're using in technology. So that'll continue to be, provide better insights and more actionable ideas we can use to have that innovation. And I think you'll also begin to see that more organizations will be data-driven as well, where today, I think there's still a lot of gut feel that you know a lot of, a lot of businesses run on, and it's, and it's served them well. But, but because their competitors are becoming more data-driven, they're going to have to adopt uh, a more nimble approach to how data shapes their strategic plans. And I think that's the key is, how do you as an organization look forward and say, not just where's my organization going, but where are my competitors going, where are my customers going, where are their expectations going to be at, and how do I begin to build towards that in an iterative way? Because I couldn't agree more, Dalton, it's, you don't want to take on necessary multi-year projects, right? You want to do experiments, you want to, on the innovation side, and do things that build upon each other and are able to eventually become an enterprise solution. Absolutely. For those of you in the audience, let us know what you predict as a key innovation in the next five years. What about for you, Veronica? Um, whether it's in for Brinks Home or for <laughs> the industry as a whole, what do you kind of see as the innovative trends in the next five years? You know, I think for the industry, it's going to be video. Um, the instant gratification that the people want today, and it's thanks to, you know, Twitter and all of these platform, social media platforms that you can, you know, get access to things now, um, they're going to want that same thing for their home. So knowing, you know, who's in their house, when they got there, the video part of it, I think, is just going to evolve. They've, they've put video analytics already into the devices. Um, I think machine what learning... What does that mean, video analytics? Think of it as, I know if a person, a cat, a car, you know, goes by a, a doorbell, so I know if I need to check it or if I really don't care that my neighbor's cat's in my front yard, right? So it's, it's that type of just, instead of recording everything and you trying to figure out what's most important, it's really kind of sending you the snippets of, uh oh, I just found a person in front of your house. Check out this video that I just sent as a recording. Um, your daughter's home, your son's <coughs> home, your husband just left to go golfing, you know, whatever it is. It, it's, it's that type of evolution that's going to happen with the video side of things. 
Um, I think as, you know, Brinks overall, of course, customers are number one in the safety of them, but I think internally, um, an enterprise data hub, leveraging machine learning, um, artificial intelligence, nat natural language processing, I mean, I think all of that is going to start to just really drive the efficiencies of operations, um, not really differentiate us in any way of the products that we do in the, in the core of our of our focus, but it's really just going to take the company to the next level to be more efficient and, and leverage the technology that other companies are using today. Absolutely. And for yourself, Dalton, what predictions? <laughs> well, what excites me about technology and innovation is, and the core belief for me is like great innovation is always empowered the common man. So prior to joining Salesforce, in fact, what drew me to Salesforce was I was looking for a platform to run my nonprofit and then I kind of stumbled with Salesforce. They, they would give 10 free licenses for those who are running nonprofits. We give 10 free licenses to accredited nonprofits. Um, and I, I learned that they are in healthcare. And I was like, oh, wow, this is what I do Monday through Friday. Let me just see what they're doing in healthcare. That's how I, um, I got a job at Salesforce. But as a clinician, I have always wanted to bring, build products. And I never knew how to do it. And I've led product teams, but I needed developers to do it. But then when I was thinking about Salesforce, even before joining, I built my very first app using you know, low code or the less code platform that we have. And I was like, wow, this really empowers me as a user. And that's what really excites me about technologies is it's gonna be more and more powerful in the, in the days ahead. So it's gonna be the customers because they know their problems better and we give them the tools to make it happen for them where the action really happens, right? And just tying it back to one example about cameras, how it all evolved. Uh, the idea was there in the fourth or fifth BC, but then you needed a photographer or you needed to go into a studio to, to get a picture, but it evolved and now everyone can do it. And that, that's where technology is headed. And it really gives me a lot of hope for that. Yeah, I guess video has percolated into the healthcare industry yeah. too. I mean, we see those operations and we're following the yeah. camera into yeah. into the operations as yeah. well. Teledoc as well and yeah. other innovations like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, shout out to Lagnesh in the comments in response to the question about innovative companies. Uh, they said it's Google for them. Their services and products always enhance the quality of life in an intuitive and innovative way. Absolutely. Dalton, I do want to dive a bit into um, you know, one of the quotes that was in the video about Salesforce, this topic around constant tinkering, right? Because that ties so much into continuous improvement. Constant tinkering and brainstorming for little tools that can make a customer's life a little easier. And from there, those little tools grow into big projects. Is there an example of that that you can share? Yeah, it also ties back to that example I shared about our trailhead learning module, right? Mm -hmm. But again, during the pandemic, you know, we all of us hated just staying at our homes. The connectedness part was missing, right? Yeah. And we wanted a way to innovate and bring people in a safe manner. And that's where we, uh, we invented the health and safety cloud. But then we also had our contact tracing during the pandemic, which was a problem. And it all started from a small idea or just a, cus a customer call to, you know, the governor, at, uh, you know, a state or, you know, a leader at a healthcare organization. And these ideas just started from there. And it was like, oh, we can do without our platform. It's just, you know, tweak certain things and then it will just evolve. 
And now a lot of customers are using Health and Safety Cloud to bring their employees or customers together for larger conferences. Uh, the same example about Trailhead, you know. Uh, people around the globe are using, leveraging Trailhead to learn about Salesforce in different industries and business in general. And going back to video being a powerful tool, we recently launched Salesforce Plus, which is kind of a Netflix for business where you can go watch and learn ah. more about different industries and thought leaders and we bring in some amazing episodes. So feel free to check that out as well, Salesforce Plus. Awesome. Yeah. It's like, it's not just an operating company, it's also an education yeah. platform. Um, and, and I want to touch a little bit on, like, you've even adopted innovations in your nonprofit, right? During when COVID hit India quite a lot. Um, share a bit about that. Yeah, I think that's one of my very, very, um, you know, a, a moment that's very dear to my heart, mm -hmm. where what you do at work and your passions and you know, what you do outside work all align together, right? So this was last year when COVID hit India. Um, uh, we just, our nonprofit is primarily catering to vulnerable women and children in the education space, but we like, we were losing a lot of friends, families, and a lot of people dear and near to our hearts. Uh, coming from India, that was, that, was, that was very challenging. So we thought, why don't we just go out there and do something which is different? So we obviously, we raised funds and we did a marathon and like we arranged one in just a week. Mm -hmm. uh, and the next week we were all running, we had 500 plus people. And then, but the most important part was I went down there and I leveraged Salesforce, our health cloud, mm -hmm. and we partnered with a technology company for a pilot there known as TidoCare, where doctors can listen to heart sounds, lung sounds, do ear exams, mouth exams, all remotely, right? Wow. Whenever you go to a PCP, other than touching you, everything else they could do remotely. So we implemented this pilot for a rural, uh, up in the north, um, a rural village where some of the folks have not even seen a doctor in their lives before. Mm -hmm. So really taking what I do at work and my passion for people and, and making this world a better place, it all came together. It was such a beautiful moment and that I always cherish. Yeah. It's like that Japanese term, ikigai, yeah. where everything comes together, what you love, what the world needs, what you can get paid yeah. for, and it just all comes together. Yeah, and that experience changed me for the better. Then I, I don't know the impact that I, obviously people were able to see uh, their physicians and get access to care, but that the whole experience of, you know, leading that effort and going down there and seeing the people who really benefit, it just really changed me, in fact. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Uh, let's go to a quick commercial on the upcoming Association of Business Technology Professionals event that is coming up that will be featuring CG Infinity's very own CEO, Bopi Dahl. Greetings, this is Mike Rochelle from the Association for Business Technology Professionals. It's my pleasure to introduce you to our May 24th uh, ABTP speaker, Bopi Dahl. Bopi is gonna be speaking on the wisdom of visionary practitioner series, and he's gonna share lessons uh, from a multi-generational technologist. Uh, what's the same, and what's changed? The cool thing about it is that Bopi was at Texas Instruments in the very beginning of a lot of groundbreaking technologies like GPS and radar and DLP. And he's going to share the background story for his participation in these great accomplishments uh, and then compare them to what we're doing today and, and uh, see how far things have come. He'll also be there to answer any questions that you have for him. So please plan to attend May 24th, uh, 2022, 5.30 p.m. Thanks. Have a great day. Bye-bye.
Welcome back to the CG Hour, where we are talking all around innovation. I want to call out one of our audience members on YouTube, Shantanu. He asks, um, innovation is cost-driven methodology. How do companies decide whether to keep funneling the costs attached or to pull the plug? Is it about the vision or uh, first mover advantage? and what governs that decision. So how do you decide, uh, any of you, um, between some putting, investing the money into something or pulling the plug? At what point do you decide that? I'll, uh, I'll take a stab since <laughs> Randy Innovation Lab at Texas Capital and the question that always came up is, at what point do you make an investment and where do you, be, where do you, you know, call it not worth investing anymore? Yeah. So this kind of goes back to the, the methodology and approach, right? It's, when you first start down an innovation path, using POCs, using sm small iterative things, not only lessen the investment required, but also allow you to say, there's the vision I've got, we're gonna test some things out. And what we would do is even put some budget aside to do iterations, to do POCs and say, this is the budget we're gonna spend to do a lot of things we don't know about yet. And then only after those proof of concepts became viable or had some promise, then when we come back and say, look, here's what we think we can do to, to drive value with this innovation. Now let's build a business case to do that and actually build, fund it like a, a product or a broader project with more metrics in place. The hardest part we found was, you know, you can't have detailed metrics at the very beginning of innovation typically, right? It just does, they're just not there. You know, the whole process is you're discovering in that process. So you don't know what the impact's gonna be or if, you're gonna run into that end and there's not gonna be any impact that's positive. So having that methodology and really getting the executive team on board to say, this is how innovation works. Are we all on board that we're gonna spend money to try things out? Some of which are not gonna go any further. They're just gonna stop at the POC phase. And then some things will, will progress into real projects and products that we take on. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for that question, budgeting for iterations. Yep. So I wanna jump to now the soft side of innovation, which is all around building culture, right? We have data, we have feedback, we have innovations, we have tools. Now, what about the people, the culture side of fostering this community, this employee base around innovation? Um, I'll start with you, Veronica. What values do you think we need in an organization to foster that um, innovative environment? You know, I think it's probably going to be everything that we say, right? I mean, the, the transparency, the communication, the trust are always big foundational elements. I think when you gather people in to be a part of a project, what has made me successful over the years of, of implementing things cross-functionally is having stakeholders um, that only not only make decisions, but having some of their doers there too and really being a part of the discussions of where you're trying to go. So you always have a you know target or goal in mind of where you're headed. Everything kind of roots back to that goal. You celebrate the wins, you talk about the, the mistakes, and you do things in a very rapid pa um, pace for you to continue to evolve and not get stagnant. So I think it's when, you, when you're building a group of people to, to focus on something, the people have to do the work 
and the ones that are responsible for it, there's nothing wrong with both of them having a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of creating this culture to where not only do they feel like they're part of the success because they're doing it, but they're also part of the decision-making and influence. I love that. And I love how, I mean, this concept of the seat at the table, yeah. right? The customers that has a seat at the table, the doers have a seat at the table, yeah. as well as the decision makers. Yeah, absolutely. And for you, Dalton, what do you think? How, what kind of values do we need to instill and what kind of culture do we need to build in organizations? So I want to share two things, right? First one is you got to believe in something more than just your paycheck. And that's what brings your best self to work every day. And I get the privilege at Salesforce because what attracted to me was not the big paycheck, but the one is to one is to one philanthropical model that we use, yeah. given our time and our product, our money to charities, mm -hmm. and how we also foster that internally. And you get 56 hours of volunteer time off, paid time off, to do good in the community. I mean, for me, it was like those values really stuck stuck to me. Right, you know, mm -hmm. like when I was interviewing too, that's what was most most exciting part about even Salesforce. And that's pretty evident in the company too, right? We spend time giving back to, you know, either it's a small craft project for cancer hospitals or even going out and cleaning out uh, some of these, um, you know, lakes or um, fields. And it, it just brings people together when they believe in something bigger than themselves and when, when you come together in that fashion. I think that's, that's important and that kind of fosters kind of a culture there where we come as ourselves and we can thrive that way and the other part i want to mention is about connectedness right i was uh, recently after a long time went to a concert it was coldplay concert mm -hmm. and everybody were there on phones with the first three or four songs and uh, you know he, the lead singer he walks up and says can can i ask you for one favor can we keep the phones aside for just this song mm -hmm. for just this one song and because he said, I want to connect with you. I don't know if I'll ever come here again and perform in front of you. I want to connect with you. And when we all did that, that was magical. Wow. And like hundreds of people just singing along and being focused and connected for one reason, that's, that was pure magic. And I think innovation thrives in, in an environment where there's pure connectedness. And the more leaders can create an atmosphere of bringing people in a connected fashion, and standing for one or values or a reason why they come to work every day is a huge part of innovation. I get goosebumps just <laughs> listening to that Coldplay story. Thank you yeah. for sharing that. Um, Rob, for you guys, I mean, CG Infinity, people first, sure. right? It's your tagline. How, what kind of values do you instill to foster that innovation? You know, I think part of it has to be setting the expectation that you expect innovation. Mm. And not so much at CG Infinity because I think that culture is already there, but I've run an integration pro innovation programs other places where that, that you know, the expectation just wasn't set. There's people that were doing their job on a daily basis and they would see areas where they could innovate, but they're like, well, someone's gonna tell me if I need to address this process, right? And you would engage with those folks and they're like, well, you want me to actually tell you what's wrong with what we're doing? Yeah. And having that platform where they could have a voice and listen internally. And so many times I think with, uh, as organizations grow larger, so back to the connectivity piece, is sometimes you get disconnection and you don't have that reach out to those folks that really are on the ground and know 
how that process can improve or how we should innovate or they get the same kind of customer calls and they can say if we did this we could, could limit could address our customers better so I think that's a big part of it is providing that expectation that innovation is is something we all are responsible for the the other side of that though is you know it tends to open up floodgates and you know people people's ideas turn up so the thing that can kill innovation the innovative spirit is if you don't have response or if you don't have any nothing ever happens with the things get bubbled up so it's a uh, you know it needs to be taken on with some serious consideration when you start opening up the communication of floodgates there's got to be something that happens otherwise people just stop suggesting you know things to focus on tying back to it has to be actionable it has to be actionable that's right and, and it's okay to say that's a good idea it's just not going to make our list today mm -hmm. right and and that's enough communication to someone's oh i was i was hurt out there's other things but just not having that feedback loop i think you know just like all of us we don't like to communicate and that, not get anything back we turn off at that point now, Rob, in a lot of your posts and the research we did on you, <laughs> uh -oh. you talk a lot about the entrepreneurial spirit, right? Um, and along with entrepreneurship is we celebrate the successes, but that journey also comes with failures and mistakes, right? How do you kind of make sure that people don't feel afraid to make mistakes in an organization? Because you're gonna have to make mistakes to innovate, right? Um, how do you do that in an organization? I, I think it's back to that communication and transparency to say, first describe what innovation looks like. And mm -hmm. it can be really messy and ugly, and there are a lot of times where you have a string of things you're trying out that just don't work out or aren't meant to go forward. So I think as people start getting into the innovation processes, because we celebrate the win, sometimes they think everything's a win, right? Yeah. And and I think it's important to say, no, you know, maybe. 60, 70% of the things we're gonna explore mm -hmm. are not gonna go any further and that's okay. So I think having that culture where it's okay to have failure, but also you know, putting a, a, a guardrail around that, saying mm -hmm. if, you're, if we don't, aren't, aren't sure this is gonna go forward and isn't gonna be successful, then let's break it up into smaller chunks. Let's not go try to get you know, a huge investment in something we're really in the experimental stage. So if we fail in the experimental stage, no big deal. If we fail in the rollout stage, that's a different problem. So having just that mindset on how innovation methodology works and just the reality of a lot of things don't make it out of a discovery phase, and that's okay. Hence the iterations. That's the iterations. Got it. So as we wrap up, I'd like to finish off with one last question and just want to go around the panel. Um, something quick around a lesson, a hard lesson that you've learned from innovating. And, and what you'd like to share with the audience around that, Veronica? Um, that's a good one. I think not every uh, path that you go down where you need your customer adoption is going to be adopted. Um, and understanding that you know every idea or every um, rollout is not going to be as successful as the one before, or the one after, is really, uh, it's, it really helps you get grounded on just continuing to um, iterate and, and, and bring up new ideas. So I think the lesson is you've got this great idea, you roll it out, and then it's just a dud, right? And it's, it's kind of a hits home, but then it's, it, you remember that, all right, well, that one didn't work. Let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next one. There's going to be something that gets adopted and takes off. So I, I think it's that. Don't let it paralyze you. No. Just keep on yeah. going. Yep. 
What yeah. about you, Dalton? A lesson you've learned from innovating? A lesson uh, I learned from my failures is one is that innovation is not about technology. Innovation is purely about people. Mm -hmm. My clinical journey it was all about people, taking care of people. So when I moved to technology, or about technology, you're getting that done. Well, if I can have that technology, we better, right? So when that route, I didn't find my, much success, you know, through through those years. But the minute I realized that innovation is not about technology, it's primarily about the people to make the quality of life better, to make business processes better, and just for people to come together in a connected fashion. That that's what innovation is about, and you know, the meaning of innovation too, right? So that's what I've learned through my journey. It's about the people, and it's not about technology. Yeah. And people want to know we care. Yeah. Right. And you, Rob, a mistake or a lesson learned from innovating? Sure. I, I think, can I go back to Dalton's comment? I think mm -hmm. sometimes, uh, you know, this has bit me a few times, is not considering the human aspect up front mm -hmm. and understanding, you know, if you're successful in this innovation, what's the impact going to be on real people? And, and again, back in, in artificial intelligence and machine learning, that typically has this impact on displacing what some people are doing, right? And so, you know, what we like to say is, what we're doing is we're going to augment the human intelligence with machine learning and artificial intelligence, not try to replace it. We're just going to try to focus those individuals to use their talents and their expertise in areas where it, it matters, not in things that a machine can do and, you know, they, they have to do rudimentary. So, that's a couple times that's been you know we haven't spent enough time on the change management and the human aspect so it's it's really built in me this notion of you've got to get that first and there's so many times where you know even with our clients or they're well intended but they go we just need to implement the system like well, it's not a technology issue <laughs> the, the, the technology is not what's going to, to determine the success it's the adoption it's the change management it's those things that the innovation needs to be successful people trust adoption iterations yeah. all common themes today um, a funny comment in the audience from Encart and Carterin uh, he was also at the same concert and so now <laughs> there's a petition we should show Chris Martin this uh, this <laughs> comment thread <laughs> so yes but uh, I want to real quick before we wrap up just share a community service that we want to advocate for through CG Infinity. They are partnering with the North Texas Food Bank and Hunger Mittau to pledge 50,000 meals. So let's roll that clip. Hi, I'm Brad Darby with CG Infinity, and thank you for tuning in to the CG Hour. I hope you've enjoyed the episode so far. I wanted to take a moment to announce our partnership with the North Texas Food Bank and Hunger Mattel, which is run by our good friend Raj Asava, who you may remember from episode two, where we talked about community, culture, and connections. As part of our partnership, CG Infinity is pledging 50,000 meals to kids, seniors, and families in our local community. Now we're not stopping there. We are also going to be hosting our own food drive here at our Plano office and then we'll be sending our team out to the North Texas Food Bank where we're actually gonna pack up the meals that are gonna get distributed to the community. I'm very proud of the commitment CG Infinity has to supporting its local community. And if you would like to help fight this cause, you can visit the link below for more information and even donate. And don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn so you too can be a part of this journey. Take care.
So innovation is nothing without people. So let's make sure that we also give back to the community. And that link again is justgiving.com backslash CG Infinity. So be sure to donate to that and pledge to uh, contribute some meals. I want to thank all of you, Rob, Veronica, Dalton, thank you so much for your time, your insights, your stories, your sharings, your examples. I know the audience got a lot out of it. I got a lot of out of it. And um, I want to thank you for your time and your insights. Thank you. Thank you. You're thank welcome. You. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So join us next month on Wednesday, June 8th at noon, where we're going to talk all around the importance of mentoring. So as I wrap up, I want to remind you all of the tagline, People First, Driven to Transform. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Thank you to the audience, and thank you to our amazing panelists. We'll see you next month.